0: Size. catch you seeds just like guys look out. here comes spider-man
1: he hello and welcome to amazing spider-man you classics like your uh, favorite podcast for all early spider-man stories. stories my name is john wilson and here in the studio with me is josh bertoni and don grant the mission of this podcast is to talk about all the early appearances of Spider-Man uh, and his various titles and guest appearances from the beginning. Beginning with Amazing Fantasy 15 and Spider-Man Number 1 and working forward until we just can't go anymore. And let's see, before we get started, uh, in case you haven't ever heard any of us on our other shows, Don, yeah, why don't talk about some of the other things that you do?
2: All right. Um, well, first show I was on, which I'm still doing... But we're set to record tomorrow is the Spectacular Whips podcast. That's where um, my co-host, uh, Thomas Mattis, and myself go over the, the recent Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. We go over monthly, episode by episode, and give it its due because it's a great show. And I've recently become a, a, a regular along with our pal Bertoni uh, on the Clone Socker Chronicles, which with uh, Zach Joyner and friends, we go over the 90s Clone saga from the from the comics and, you know, Give that its due, get what what, what it did right, what it did wrong, and have a heck of a good time along along the way. So it's all Spider-Man crap I'm
1: involved with. It's all good stuff, too. Okay, uh, Josh, I know that you have quite an extensive list of everything you're involved in right now. Why don't you go ahead and give the uh, listeners a rundown of it?
0: I'll give a Cliff Notes version. Cliff Notes version. (laughs) Yeah, there's some non-comic things that I don't think that the people really care about. Spider-Man-related stuff I do is I am involved with the Spider-Man Crawl Space website. I do some uh, series for them. I do Spider-Man memories, although I haven't done that in a while, where it's different pictures of the day of Spider-Man. Very, 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 very infrequent is Spider-Man revisions, which <laughs> I'm not even going to try and explain the concept of that behind here. Just go to Spider-Man Crawl Space, check out, and, and other stuff like a Gwen series and... Just different articles for the front page. Um, In terms of podcasts and other websites, for SpideyDude.com, I'm involved in some different stuff with our friend uh, Zachary Joyner, a.k.a. Spidey Dude, on there, Uh, including the podcast Clone Saga Chronicles, which is, if you're enjoying this look back uh, at the 60s but want another look back and want one that's more extreme and holographic and hecka confusing... You can listen to Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast. We we are covering the 90s Spider-Man Clone Saga with our friend Donovan Morgan Grant, as he said. For examiner.com, I do the Spider-Man Examiner column, which is great fun. If you like other comics aside from Spider-Man, you can hear me covering the Marvel Comics Star Wars series issue by issue. It's very, very short and sweet. Uh, that podcast, they usually don't go over about 15 to 20 minutes. There's also the Batman Universe podcast that I do with my friends, uh, Dustin, Apples, uh, Zach, a different Zach, and countless others. That show has a lot of people. And now I'm out of breath. So that's uh, if you want to know more, just just, just check my Facebook page.
1: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I am also involved in another podcast called Teenage Wasteland, and Ultimate Spider-Man podcast with my friend, uh, another Zach, Zach Henderson. Where we've been looking at every issue of the uh, Brian Michael Bendis series in order from number one, and that's been lots of fun too. But my my heart and my first love really does belong with this classic Spider-Man stuff. These early issues. This is this is what I grew up reading, and this is where my my love lies. So today we're going to be covering Amazing Fantasy 15. Before we well, get started,
2: I just, I, I just forgot to mention. Uh, Josh mentioned his uh, Spider-Man Cross stuff. I, I actually do. Reviews for both the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon and the 90s show, so y'all can check that out if you like, or not,
1: who cares. Cool. And uh, Marvel has a lot of those 90s episodes up on their website now, which is pretty cool.
0: That was my introduction, to Spider-Man, and (laughs) it's funny, because doing this podcast, I actually sought these issues out originally, and I got them in different forms, like essentials, and... A series that was running at the time, which was ironically called Spider Man Classics, and it really blew my mind that like the continuity was different than it was on the show. Like I knew that I knew that the, that, it, that it took place in different continuities, but it's like, wait a second, you know, you know, Felicia wasn't his college classmate. Uh, you know what's what's going on with these people who he's meeting out of order? You know, you mean Venom right. came this late in the game when he <laughs> <laughs> was designed already-
2: off of Nicholas Hammond. What? What?
0: Oh, I yeah, I didn't even get the nicholas hammond thing until years later and i'm glad i didn't that may have ruined it for me yeah i, I love the cartoon series uh, the 90s one and what i loved about it was it was a, like a serialized cartoon because when you're a kid and you're watching these cartoons a lot of the times what happens in one episode won't have any effect on what happens in the other episodes you can watch 90 episodes of phineas and fur each episode it's like a jumping on point really. I'm just mm-hmm. using that as an example of a kid show that's on now. with Spider-Man they would draw on stuff that was happening in past episodes and as the show got older and older, they got into arcs and stuff and now it wasn't like a perfect you know beginning to end show, but they had their arcs and they had their continuity and I like that and I sought out the comics. I was already a big comic reader with Star Wars so. It was just a case of crossing over into Spider-Man Marvel stuff. And I jumped right in and I was going to garage sales as a prepubescent and getting, you know, hundreds of comics in some weekends and just reading them all hundreds and hundreds of times.
1: How about you, Don? How would you get into uh, comics and Spider-Man in particular?
2: Well, I was, I was sort of like Josh in that the 90s show was a big contributing factor, but um, it, was, it was kind of the underway around. I remember ads in the summer for the show leading up to it. And that got me into, and that got me interested in the character. I remember explicitly thinking that for some reason Spider-Man was a brand new character, so I was like, hmm, let me check out this new Spider-Man guy. So I went to the, the nearest toy store and got some Spider-Man toys. At the same time, that was that was that was when the clone saga was really starting to hit up in the in 1994. So I I I sometimes I wasn't a collector until I was much older to actually. Spend money on it, but uh, I got in I got into Spider-Man through that. Through comic books, I've always kind of been I've always been a fan of superheroes. I always watched the cartoons. I've been a Batman fan as long as I can remember, so I've always been kind of into just you know that kind of storytelling. So when I was old enough I would, to understand what was going on, I would start buying comics. The, the earliest comics I remember consecutively buying was the DC versus Marvel crossover, which which to me was my version of Secret Wars. I guess, to some of the people. And that, that was a big contributing factor. And when I was older, I would, I would pick up Ultimate Spider-Man and Spider-Man, you know, ASM, uh, Batman, when the whole Bruce Wayne murderer story was going on. And basically, since I've been a teenager, you know, 13, 14, I was... I've been a collector, and I've
1: been going strong ever since. I had a lot more involvement in Spider-Man than I remember having, because I, I, there are pictures, and I have you know vague memories. I know that I watched Spider-Man: and The Amazing Friends. I know that I watched the '90s series, and I know that I had a Spider-Man doll from when I was old enough to walk, like one of those really big old like 16-inch you know uh, stuffed Spider-Man toys. And um, but what I remember is uh, in the late '70s, Marvel put out these three pocketbook-sized paperbacks that between the three of them, they reprinted the first 20 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. And I remember reading those when I was six years old and I had the chicken pox. And I probably read those over and over and over again, all through my childhood years. And you know, I knew those stories backwards and forwards, especially the first ones, because you know, I would start over again so many times. But then it was the early nineties. Uh, I think my first comic I bought off the shelf was Amazing Spider-Man 341, where he suddenly is powerless. And I was blown away because all these things were different from the first 20 issues. He and Flash Thompson were friends, and (laughs) uh, he was married to this hot redhead. I was like, what the frack's going on here? And, you know, all this other stuff. But I didn't stay collecting that long. It was around the Maximum Carnage story that I just didn't have the funds to collect anymore. And then I grew up. Yeah, I know. I miss out on a lot of stuff. But um, shortly after one more day, I started reading again. So, um, and I, now I've been filling my brain with all these back issues and it's, it's, uh, it's been a really, really fun ride. I have to say, I really enjoy reading the older stuff more than the newer stuff, but maybe Very it's because I'm old.
0: Uh, maybe it's because no comment. <laughs> 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 well, you know,
1: 10 years from now, we'll be able to have our conversations about it. 10
0: years from now, somebody's going to do a podcast looking at all the comic books from like when one more day happened to like beyond. Cause that'll be their favorite era.
1: Right. I mean there are all those letters they publish in the back of the books now where people are raving and raving about the greatness that is Post One More Day. I don't think very many people liked One More Day even those who do like Everything that's happened since.
0: I don't but, think the people involved in One More Day liked it. I think, <laughs> Especially I think when one of the writers wanted his name removed from the story.
1: I think the that only person that funny. really liked One More Day was the person that wrote it. Well, but is, anyways, we're not going to talk morning. about that. Because we're here to talk about better things.
0: Don't, don't worry, this isn't going to be a brand new day bashing podcast.
1: No, yeah, we're going to try to spend as little time talking about modern Spider-Man
0: comics as possible. Except when it's relevant in certain cases.
1: Yeah, and occasionally we'll have stuff
0: that reminds us of other stuff.
1: So, Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Couple of technical details. The cover, which is an awesome cover, actually has Jack Kirby pencils with Steve yes. Ditko inking it. That's a, that's a Jack Kirby esque pose for Spider Man, and Ditko went in and drew all the webs and everything.
0: And Artie Simek is the one and who designed.
2: Kirby's kids want to claim that Jack Kirby helped create Spider Man,
1: but nevertheless, nevertheless, Artie Simek did the lettering on the front and the uh, logo design because this is the first and. Well, for a very, very long time, last issue of Amazing Fantasy it had a different name before that, so we get to thank Artie oh, Simek for it that. It
0: was Amazing Fantasy, but then it was Amazing Adult Fan. So I think that it was Amazing Fantasy again at one like uh, it, earlier. Amazing, in the amazing,
1: that- amazing Adventures for the first six issues, and then Amazing Adult Fantasy until fourteen.
2: Oh, the controversy! I was Amazing right. Fantasy like his book, or was it like an anthology writer's book?
1: It was a it was a it was a Lee and Ditko book. Amazing Adventures, Amazing Adult Fantasy. Uh, all 15 issues, basically a Lee and Ditko anthology book.
2: Okay, because like one of my notes said, this like this alone, because this is initially started as a standalone story, is such a Ditko story, like in terms yeah. of, of storytelling.
1: Actually, there's a letter in this issue that I was, uh, was going to bring up later, um, where he talks about how he pulled adult because some kids were complaining like they didn't feel like they were cool enough to buy amazing adult fantasy, and so there was, the, the name was actually putting them off.
0: But because you know these stories were so obviously written for adults if you read yeah. exactly and according well, to wiki, stories I was...
2: were, they, they recently i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to step on you john
1: it's okay i was just but, gonna say that according to wiki i was wrong it's not just ditko there were kirby stories in here too i know a lot of the stories were ditko stories
2: yeah well a lot of the stories that he wrote were actually were kind of like not that's like you know straight up but the old kids can't read them but they were a lot or for the lack of a better phrase mature than what 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 other stuff marvel was putting out that back then i haven't read
0: now. a lot of the old amazing adult fantasy stuff i've read some of them and from what I've seen, that whole thing in with Spider-Man's origin, it actually fits what they did in a lot of those stories because there'd be it was kind of like a Twilight Zone or something thing where there'd be a story and there'd be a twist at the end. Like mm-hmm. one that I read is. There's a report on the news that aliens have landed and everyone's looking for them. And then it's a husband and wife. They're worried about, what if they're going to find us? What are we going to do? And you think that they're worried about the aliens. And, oh, it's not safe to go out. And then at the end, you find out that the husband and the wife are actually the aliens.
1: Yeah, that's the last story in this book. Yeah, it's a good story. Yeah,
0: they do different twists. And that's what the Spider-Man thing was. It was an Aesop's fable.
1: If it had never taken off, it would have been a really good just Twilight Zone style story. And actually... uh. Michael Bailey has a a short essay he wrote on his blog, Fortress of Bailitude, I think, that um, uh, talks about looking at the Spider-Man origin story from a EC magazine and 50s style horror sci-fi, looking at this story from that point of view. And it really, really does fit.
0: It's the whole twist at the end. Oh, my God. The burglar was the guy who I let get away. And it's the Aesop's fable. He should have been.
1: And I think that's why one of the the things that bothers me most about this story is how they Breeze through his discovery of his powers, but I think that actually looks really? better because they want to get to the rest of the story. The story is not about what powers he has, the story is about everything else that happens to him. And, exactly.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that mothers you. I mean, you know, cause, like, like we've been saying, this was supposed to be like a one off, and it works so beautifully just as a, as a one shot story. I, I didn't, I mean, you know, to each his own, but. Um, as a Spidey. I, I can't see what you're saying,
1: bro. As a Spidey origin. For, you, it but depends on your part. perspective. As a Spidey origin, I would have liked to have seen him happen across his powers more accidentally in a more natural fashion. He basically crams discovery of every single ability he has, except for his spider sense, into six panels. And I know they had 11 pages to tell their story, and so I'm not faulting them for it, but it is... One aspect of the story that I were telling
0: back then. Speaking of how he discovers his powers, when he jumps onto that building because he's almost hit by the car, <laughs> read what the people who are driving the car are saying. It's like really sadistic. It's. That well, there's actually- one egghead who won't date me <laughs> when he crosses the street.
1: You could say that you again. You say
0: that again. It's like, oh my God, you are horrible people.
1: You're trying this to kill is- the teenager.
0: Yeah, he's well, the boy. Is- in- this is New York.
1: The poor little guy in the, in the necktie and the little vest.
0: Like, do they drive around doing this?
1: The first three pages of this story are everybody, try, you know, ha- having it out for Peter Parker. Like, the professors make fun of him. The teenagers make fun of him. Even the guys in the cars are trying to kill him.
0: I noticed that, too, that the scientists, the other adults, like, they know who he is. So you got to think, and that's one thing that hasn't really been explored as much, is that Peter Parker, you know, he was known around the scientific community, at least. I mean, not as a scientist or anything, but the adults I, I, I was like an up-and-coming student. Yeah, because he was going to these exhibits and stuff. But the funny thing is, even the adults did pick on
1: him too like, <laughs> bad like, he must have a weak stomach
0: <laughs> oh that parker and i that, that that hadn't really occurred to me and they even adapt that in the 90s series like i remember that because when they yeah. did origin and that one connors, episode. Made fun of him. connor's made fun of him
2: because Con- oh. connor's connor's and um Stillwell Stillwell were at was at the origin and when he gets bitten and starts like walking around both i think i think connor's is the one that says looks like parker has a case of a bad stomach or something like that i don't have to wait till i review it but yeah
1: I
0: think. Interesting. And that kid who sees him walking up the wall and then his mom's like, that's the last horror movie I take you to. I love yeah. to imagine that this kid spent the rest of his life trying to convince his mother that Spider-Man exists, but she would always narrowly, like, miss seeing him and think that her kid was just a liar. <laughs> it's like stuff up, I guess. <laughs> he'd, he'd like, he'd like, look, look, I have this copy of the Daily Bugle. And, like, she turns around, the wind's blowing it away or it. something. Or, like, that's, that's, yeah. That's like a Roger Moore, James Bond gag. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kid's like, let's see if... if depending on how much Spider-Man's age which is debatable but the kid's like you know maybe about to graduate high school or something now and he's still trying to convince his mom there's a Spider-Man
1: and he like and turns into a super villain out of rage that he can't convince <laughs> his mother there's a
0: Spider-Man I'm gonna like, like, tell Spider-Man to me mother and then okay know. whatever you and your delusions I want to see another horror movie darn it I only got to see one <laughs> I only wow. got to see the one I mean obviously
1: he had issues because I mean seeing a movie <laughs> makes him see hallucinations on the side of the building. And
0: then there's the other explanation that maybe his mom did see it too, but she's just a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of like got a nanny from the Muppets baby thing going on, like you just see her legs.
1: <laughs> so the issue has an August 1962 cover date on the outside, but the indicia on the inside says September 1962.
2: Who um, said that. I mean, I, I, I don't have the
1: issue. You know how at the bottom of, uh, like, usually on the first page of a comic, it'll have, like, the official name of the comic and all the publication information, all the legalese? It says September 1962 down there. Um, okay, because
2: that's th- cut up for my
1: copy. It would be the, I'm looking at the official, the, the way I'm reading these is the the DVD that Marvel released of the official Spider-Man scans, or the official uh, 40 years of Spider-Man, and they, they scanned them all. Um, they have the inside front cover where it's teaching you how to draw on the first day, and it has this woman in her underwear posing so you can draw her. Um, and at the bottom it says Amazing Fantasy, is published, blah, blah, blah.
0: Amazing adult fantasy indeed.
1: <laughs> draw naked <laughs>
0: women. <laughs>
1: but it was released with the last wave of August books on June 5th of 1962, one week before the September books started coming out. So I, I'm going with the August as the date, but it probably doesn't matter to anyone but me.
0: Comic book cover dates, they're just. Now, I know why they used to do it, because they didn't want it to look like books had been on the shelf for a while, so sometimes cover dates were post dated. But I think now, the way that the comic book community and fan base works, I think it's just stupid now.
2: And so a legend is born, and a new name is added to the roster of those who make the world of fantasy the most exciting realm of all
1: well stanley was all about the hype yes. I mean, right now yeah. he has girl comics he has western comics and he has the fantastic four and the incredible hulk and that's stanley. all he has for superheroes and now he's like trying to put this title out there and i
2: mean he was he was right he, give the guy credit he was right <laughs> but it's also kind of funny
0: he could make a tv dinner seem like a five-star meal i know right <laughs> he's stanley yeah so, so I
2: mean, stan, stan kind of has like, like like we all love him but we also kind of rag on him just because like the way he wrote but I, I, when you put it when you put them in context and like like we will like these these stories are really we, these really are excellent st- written stories
1: i think spider-man and fantastic four having read a lot of everything else that was coming out at this time stan lee's wonky dialogue gets more wonky in books like hulk and iron man and stuff the the spider-man and fantastic four books were really really written well and it gets better if, if you know post 60 1965 you know it really curves up in the quality.
2: Now, I've, I've, I've not read that much early. I've read some early – I mean, I actually owned the first volume of Daredevil. And I've read some early Fantastic Four. But it, it seems to me that with the Spider-Man, with Amazing Spider-Man, it seems that Peter – the stories are, are more centered around Peter than anything else. And that, mm-hmm. that's what grabbed readers, you know, the guy who looks like a dork and you know, can't get a break. The fact that the focus is concentrated on him so much is what really keeps the reader coming back in because they want to see how this guy – it was basically themselves people rate against everything else.
1: So at the end of and I don't are work on talk about modern comics very much but at the end of the swing shift book that came out before brand new day started, there's like a three or four page essay or letter to the department the basically
0: Manifesto. De-
1: basically describing what makes Spider-Man good. One of the things I think they really, really hit on in that manifesto was Peter Parker is what Spider-Man is about. And it, it, if, if you lose your focus on Peter Parker, then you lose your focus on why you're writing this book. And whether they really effectively implemented that in Brand New Day is up for debate. But I think that's definitely true in these early issues is that this book's about Peter Parker. Exactly. He puts on a costume. He beats up bad guys. He had, but he takes off the costume and he doesn't know how to talk to girls.
2: Right. And any any scene that's not that's not with Peter is just to carry the plot. Like, mm-hmm. Pete, like you get you get the voice of of, of reaction all about from Peter's point of view, which 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 works.
0: And in regards to him not knowing how to talk to girls, you'll see that in Amazing Spider-Man issue seven, because the way he talks to Betty at the end of that issue, like, my God, Stan doesn't know how to talk to girls. <laughs> I mean, no wonder he married Madam Web. <sighs> it reminds me of some of, it
1: of things I've said over the years. But going, digging into the issue now, and that we've been on the um, show for, uh, I don't know how long, 15 minutes now, the opening splash, uh, everyone, of course, is making fun of Peter, totally setting the tone for what we were just talking about. And the thing that I love about this panel is is Flash Thompson because I think that the main reason he's allowed to pick on Peter Parker is because he wears purple pants.
2: I can't tell the black and white version, so I can't tell. I thought it was because he looks like Ralph Mao from Happy Days.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cha-Cha from a Waltz. There's, um, there's an outdated reference right there. If this was published today, it would be like, he doesn't know the Soldier Boy from the from Stanky Lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say, gang, we need one more guy for the dance. How about Peter Parker over there? Yo, homies, we need one more guy for the rave. How about Peter Parker over there? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That bookworm.
1: And Would they say bookworm which, or? Which would be flower. replaced?
0: Which would be replaced by another word that I won't say because I don't want to offend anybody. But what other kids call it? Other kids put them down now. That wouldn't know a soldier boy from a stinky leg.
1: Exactly. And this first paragraph, like, this is incinerated in my brain. I've read this first paragraph so many times. Do you like costume heroes? Confidentially, we in the Comic Mag business refer to them as long underwear characters. And as you know, they're a dime a dozen, but we think you may find our Spider Man just a bit different.
0: That's, good. That's a good Stanley, a good young Stanley. <laughs> I love how it's confidentially, but he's announcing it. Right, you know, that's, that's not, com- <laughs> not confidential.
1: He's only printing a hundred thousand copies of this issue.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's interesting. I, I don't though. know how many were being sold back then. That that would be curious to get sales figures.
1: The one thing I do know, and this is you know another era, but in 1980, there's a, like issue 203 or something. They actually published the sales figures in the back of a letters column, and there were 580,000 issue copies of that issue printed as opposed to 20-odd thousand of the average Amazing Spider-Man now.
0: It was a bestseller, yeah. Well, comics were a bigger medium back then. Yeah. Uh, All across the board, they were like golden age. There was like, you know, stuff in the millions.
1: I've heard many times that 1953, just for sheer number of books printed on the shelves, 1953 is comics' biggest year.
0: They didn't have video mm-hmm. games or uh, T. Well, there was TV, wasn't as big, but they didn't have like you know video games and other stuff to compete with. I mean, now it's stick a kid in front of Cartoon Network and they'll be occupied for the day, or they'll save up to buy the video game. They don't. Uh, the kids who I work with, because uh, I work in childcare, they'll read comics if the comics are out, but they won't seek them out. No, but my daughter loves comics. Them, she you
1: know? she she loves the stuff. She asked me to buy things. She has her Supergirl showcases that she reads in her spare time, and she loves awesome.
2: comics. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I think it's interesting, like, the, the, the splash page in the beginning sets you up, you know, okay, Peter Parker's this big, you know, no loser at, at school. He's, you know, unlikable. But then the very next page, the first three panels are him being happy and, you know, being accoladed by these adults. You know, oh, you're great, Peter. You know, keep up the good work you your scholarship and everything. I thought it was a good um, juxtaposition. but then, so, so it kind of, like, you know, takes the reader in and out and in and out. And then when you get back to school, they show how crappy his life is.
1: I think it's your classic nerd syndrome. They relate better to people who are older than they are. I say they. We, or at least I, you know, when I was a kid, related better to people who were older than I was. I never really did relate to my peers very well.
0: Apparently not, okay. because uh, the adults make fun of him on the very next page.
1: <laughs> those are I mean, some really mean adults.
0: <laughs> no, they're scientists, so like it's the nerds. Like, I know, those right? are like. Like they're probably the adults that get made fun of, so he's like the bottom of the food chain. But well, this is second- also
2: back in um this is that's all back when the day where being a scientist was like the end all be all job. Like everything was solved with science, and you know you know I, this we must dedicate this in the name of science. Science.
0: So There's in an open room.
1: We have different parts of the country uh, represented here. I'm not sure exactly where y'all are from, but does any of you know exactly what wheat cakes are? Cause I've never had wheat cakes. That's they a good have question.
0: The, uh, I don't they know. They have the just... recipe published in the back of an amazing. Uh, no, not amazing. In an Untold Tales annual. And I was like, Mom, and I was, you know, maybe 11. I was like, Mom, we cakes. Here's the recipe. You got to make them. That's Spider-Man's favorite. And she like, I remember she looked at the recipe. She's like, Joshua, that's disgusting. You're not going to like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't fathom him up too much, dear. I can hardly out-wrestle him now. Which, oh, that's a sweet line. But then you think, wait a second. Peter's too old to still be wrestling with his uncle. And his uncle is way too old to still be wrestling with him.
2: How old do you guys think on Man Uncle Ben are in this thing?
1: they I honestly think, look think, at least they look ancient in this, <laughs> at least 70
2: I, okay here's my thing I think that trying try not to steer away from the future I think that and this started from the very beginning Ame is about 55 and like in the current book she's about 70
0: they gave her age the Marvel Knight Spider-Man I think they said what they say 75 I know you said we're staying away from that
1: I honestly don't know I think every artist who has taken her has done different things with her when, when, when we get you know about a month or two from now, when we get to Johnny Romita, his first drawings of Aunt May, she looked like she was about to fall out the mummy case. Um, Actually, she looks
2: younger than she does... Like, but, like, there's some future yeah. Dicko issues where she looks even older.
1: She
0: is like adorable. in the Spider-Man quits arc that Ditko did where Spider-Man puts the costume in the paper. Yeah. And going back to that whole wrestling comment, he's like stroking Peter's shoulder as he's saying <laughs> that. I
1: think he's just, you know, patting his, his bicep there. I don't think there's any weird...
0: Yeah, I'm isn't. It's Uncle Ben, but just out of context. And like, if you were the witness, this scene today, it wouldn't look. But I mean, that's the thing. It was, it was the '60s. An uncle back then, an uncle could, you know, touch his nephew and talk about wrestling with him, and nobody thought anything of it.
1: I don't know. I don't know that I would. I don't
0: think that's that bad. But yeah, there there are some other stuff that we could think it's bad, but. Of course, you know uh, that's Mister Warren, uh, who's not yet named his teacher, not to be confused with Professor Warren, his brother, who becomes Peter's college professor
1: and uh, does bad things later.
0: Yeah, Crazy and things. very next panel, the Peter's uh, first time getting shot down by a woman. That's Sally. Who Sally a-
1: is it? Hoover. Avril or Avril or how do you say it last? I say
0: name? Avril. Avril. Yeah. Who was? She was later expanded upon and um.
1: Untold Tales.
0: Untold Tales, and she actually became a vigilante called the Bluebird. Really? And she want, yeah, she, yeah, she wound up – yeah.
1: I think I wikied her once. I think – I read something about a bluebird once and I had to wiki her and I saw it was Sally.
0: It's interesting
2: because her personality in Untold Tales is actually a little different. She's a little more of an adventure secret than just like a straight up Well, she,
1: does, she doesn't get – I mean she gets two panels here, so we don't see a whole lot of her personality except that she's snobbing off on Peter.
0: She tolerates Peter a lot more there, you know, and like she even like, you know, comes to his house and stuff. And sometimes she goes up behind him, you know, touches him on the shoulders, which is really funny because her counterpart in Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, my God. What
2: a dork. Yeah, what's he <laughs> doing here? Tell, tell me about ah, it.
0: Oh, that's
1: Sally. That's right. She's yeah, really obnoxious. But, in make things. her blonde in that show. I really what? like Spectacular Spider-Man, but she's obnoxious in that.
0: I love her in that she's hilarious.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of love to hate kind of thing.
0: <laughs> Which and they actually did the whole thing of him asking her out in the first episode. Like, but it's funny because she like she's like, "Hey, Flash Thompson, he's a dreamboat." But you know, Flash is in the Untold Tales in another issue. She never really shows a romantic interest in Flash again.
1: <laughs> I admire but good I was- taste, dog. Get lost, bookworm. And I, love well, I
0: think i all boss. <laughs> I think it's one of those cases where it's like if somebody's hitting on you, you pretend to be dating somebody else. It's like, yeah, I'm here with him. So it's like she sees <laughs> Peter. She's like, I'm with Flash. Yeah,
2: Flash like, uh, well, um, is one of my favorite characters from the Dicko run just because he's he's in there so many times. It's, it's quite entertaining.
0: He I doesn't know. appear in um, issue one of Amazing, funnily Flash enough. Doesn't... Nope, Wait, he does Are there
1: any school scenes in the issue one?
0: There is, but uh, yeah, Flash there is.
1: Isn't there. Are okay. you sure? Uh, 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 we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, uh, the, the tea sweater on Flash, another reason why he shouldn't be picking on anybody, because obviously it. he doesn't know how to dress.
0: His mother um, did it for him.
1: <laughs> and this is where Peter Parker, at the bottom of this page, he goes off in a fit of rage and gets bitten by a spider and becomes an evil supervillain. Except that he doesn't. But seriously, it's like, <laughs> someday I'll show them. They'll be sorry. Sorry they laughed at me. It's like You forgot to say sob. I, uh, I sobbed internally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's one thing about these 60 books and not just with you know marvel but dc did it too they'd have characters say sob or choke out loud when they were sad nobody does that i, th- <laughs> or I, th- I think lois lane not they're
1: sobbing and choking they're not saying sob and choke but it's no.
0: it's it's in this beach bubble
1: so we talked about the uh the lab scene with the professors making fun of him and then he <laughs> feels a strange burning in his body like puberty just hit and once gets hit by a car
0: yeah, the really, really bad motorists.
1: <laughs> yeah, the evil evil car drivers. And then he's crawling up the wall and poor little boy who um this is the kind of boy who flushes the toilet and runs out of the bathroom because he's scared of the noise. Uh
2: yeah, I
0: was scared of a vacuum cleaner. Uh,
1: he's like, he Mommy, sweet. look at the walk- and the woman beside him says what wah 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 wah. He looks really
0: <laughs> short too. He's like barely up to that woman's thigh. That's one like really small kid
1: really little why is she taking her three-year-old to horror movies
0: (laughs) 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 they you know they were sold out of diary of a wimpy kid or whatever else
1: (laughs) so he gets up there he uh he grabs the steel pipe and what you don't see is he grabs it and crushes it and he's off balance so he like slips and almost falls off the building
0: the funny thing is he's like i've got to plan what to do with this um unbelievable ability that fate gave me I've got to have time to think. He's got to have time to think and plan. And then the next panel, a few minutes later. later. (laughs) Oh, wrestling. Okay. (laughs) That's enough. That's enough thinking.
1: Oh, look, something shiny.
0: (laughs) He's like, I will take years to plan this out. Ooh.
1: Ooh, yeah, well he's a, he's a teenager he's a teenager so. yes that's true yeah.
0: this was like a pre-mtv teenager so like you know his attention span was probably a little bigger than ours if this was published now it would be like 10 seconds later
1: so they do the wrestling thing which every version of spider-man has had i really liked this scene actually the way it played out in the spider-man movie but yeah. whenever he finally throws the guy off his shoulder and he's like you you're not human nobody can do that I've always wanted Peter Parker to say, "Well, then, meet Mister Nobody," and instead that, of
2: one
0: of it, that's probably why I don't write comic books. That guy's a big wimp.
1: Like Crusher as Hogan. soon as,
0: yeah, as soon as he realizes that he's outmatched, he's crying like a little baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the he's only time he looks
1: confident him. is whenever he's whenever Peter Parker's outside the ring. Every other expression on his face is like, "Oh my god."
0: Yeah, and of course they later brought back Crusher Hogan um, in the '80s in that good story. I think it's called Whatever Happened to Crusher Hogan. It was around. the
1: more recent story. Was that the sequel to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow?
0: Yes, it was this because uh, what DC decided to do for their sequel to that great Alan Moore story was to get Tom Defalco to write it and to make it a Spider-Man story, you know, and to have Marvel do it.
1: Tom Defalco writing a sequel to Alan Moore. That's awesome. Yeah. And we've got Maxie Schiffman in his cute little hat there. Yeah. I lo- I love that hat. That's an awesome hat. It like screams like I'm a political voting rally or something.
0: Is that, is that his name, Maxie, Maxie Schiffman? Yes, it is. Really? <laughs> A TV producer named Schiff, and who they also brought back in the 90s. Uh, well, Crusher Oakham was the age, but they brought back uh, Maxie Schiffman in the 90s, back when they were doing 30th anniversary of Spider-Man. I believe he was brought back in, because uh, for the 30th anniversary stuff, they had the three titles, Amazing, did the story about Peter's parents coming back, Spectacular did the story yeah. about Harry throwing that very, very awkward dinner party. And uh, I think Webb was uh, Mysterio, like, using Maxi Schiffman against Spider-Man and making Spider-Man think that he was still, like, a wrestler and everything and that, like, the rest of his life was an illusion.
1: Hey, Don, you don't have color in yours. Just imagine that hat. The little diagonal stripes are the same red as the Spider-Man suit and the uh, the rest of the hat is Smurf
0: blue. Look at the guy behind Crusher Hogan, Crusher Hogan boom, behind, behind Maxi Schiffman. That what, is,
1: what is that face yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is I, i've seen guys like that it's, it's kind of weird dicko does good faces though i like
0: this he uh he sews and designs his own costume it is worth noting that and a lot of the reprints they change the color to the spider on the back from uh, blue to red because it is changed from uh once you get to amazing spider-man the title the uh, spider on the back Becomes red permanently with no explanation. And John Byrne, when he did Chapter 1, he made an effort to explain that. He did like a throwaway line of dialogue when Spider-Man goes to see the Fantastic Four. Well, because I'm going to see the Fantastic Four, I'm going to change that spider on the back of my costume from blue to red. Okay, I never realized done. it was
1: blue. You're right, it is blue. There's one panel where it's colored red, but all the rest of them it's colored blue. I never a realized of- that.
0: A lot of the reprints, like in Spider-Man Classics, and sometimes so, even Masterworks, I think.
2: So is it like is it like an outline then? Because since the back was
0: blue, the well, blue is uh it, it's a different shade of blue.
1: Well, this is this is inked pretty heavily. There's actually very little blue in the blue what we think of as the blue areas of Spider-Man costume. Right. Um, it's it's mostly black with blue highlights. But the spider is uh, where it's white in your book. It's blue in ours.
2: Well, actually, actually, yeah, it is. It is like mainly. And this is the, this is the thing we're getting to the thing like that's like really kind of controversial in hindsight because Peter they always mention oh Peter Parker's a, a science quote unquote major even though he's in high school yet he builds the web shooters and yes. um, even today they still go about the idea that he he's able to do that.
1: This is like the awesomest part of the story. He he, uh, he basically invents a fracking modern miracle. I don't understand why people give him such a hard time because obviously. Being bitten by a radioactive spider giving him spider powers is okay, but web shooters, that's just impossible.
0: I don't really hear a lot of people complain about that, except for non-comic fans. I think that most comic Sam fans are accepting that he created the web shooters.
1: But I thought that was the whole like logic behind the organic webbing
0: development is that. Well, you Sam. Can't, Sam Raimi. Yeah, but, was but that, that came he, out of Hollywood though, not yeah. not a not, Was that a?
1: See, I wasn't reading comics when the movie came out. Was that a? Was that originated in the movie and then lick, went what, over? What
2: comics? happened was that Sam, Sam Raimi said that he didn't. He, if Peter Parker was so smart to to um, make up web shooters, he didn't see why he couldn't just sell that and become rich.
0: Well, he tried <laughs> to, and, and, and later on in the Dicko run, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, and it melts in an hour. So I'm going to sell yeah. people a glue that melts in an hour and doesn't work anymore. Get the heck out of my office.
1: It reminds me of the origin story of Post-it Notes. Post-it <laughs> Notes came out of an accident because the guy is trying to come up kind Michelle of glue.
0: invented that.
1: And the, the glue on the back of Post-it Notes is not very strong, but it's awesome. But it was new because no one ever thought a glue could be used in that way. While we're on
2: designs, we should probably talk about like, like this is the early days, so you have the ever changing Spider Man design. Like, for one thing, the web pits are down to um, what uh, what is known as the greater greater trochanter, which is basically the part where your hip meets the leg. And those sometimes, are some, yeah, sometimes they're shown just in the armpits.
1: Yeah, those are some really massively huge web pits. And they put web pits on his costume in the live action series, and that totally illustrated why he should never have web pits. Because they're, <laughs> they're just like flopping so around. Good. Did you like those?
0: The Web Pits always bothered me and it's partially because I came in the Spider Man through the 90s show and I know that it originated in the comics and it was there from the first appearance, so it shouldn't bother me and it goes against every fiber of my being to have them bother me, but it just does. Well
1: it's like if you if and if you were to move it into live action, if you were if there was a way to make them always taught. Like, always, you know, tight across that gap between his upper arm and torso. To me, that'd be fine, but you can't do that in real life. It has to be a fabric, and it has to flap around, and I just don't like that look.
2: I think it doesn't make sense, but I like—I I don't mind the design. But I, I do agree that, you know, either you put them on there or you don't. So in this one and in the first issue, we will have something I've never seen before again in, in a Spider-Man comic, which is parts, part two, and the next one has— Part two and
1: three. Well, this was, there was a reason for that actually. Amazing Fantasy was a five story book. Oh, really? And so your first story, your first uh, Spider Man story covered two of those segments. So you had the six issue segment and then an ad, and then you had the second story segment and then an ad, and then. bell ringer or whatever the next story is
0: all comics were pretty much like this in the silver age from marvel the dc like if you picked up an issue of superman or batman they'd have like five or six stories in them and sometimes it would be like multi-part stories and that's why it was eventually they start doing single issue stories but they do this for the first few issues of spider-man too
1: right notice that spider-man doesn't have a hyphen yet it had a hyphen like in the in the logo at the beginning but all the um, all the lettering is hyphenless
0: if you're reading a reprint or Essential Donovan, sometimes they change that. Like they change I see the that print. happen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they change Peter Palmer's to uh, Peter Parker's in this as well, which – I'm kind of like one of those <laughs> people who, when comics are reprinted, I don't want them to fix the mistakes. I want to see them in all their glory. Mistakes yeah, all. as like, much I as all glory and, and quotation marks. <laughs> I don't want, yeah, I don't want Greedo to shoot first, you know, and I'm the same way with my comics. It's kind of like, it's kinda
1: the like watching, watching the growth, watching the development, seeing how that, because Stanley put the hyphen in to make Spider-Man look different to Superman. Like the, the word, yes. but he hadn't come up with that idea yet, obviously, whenever they
0: were doing this first issue. He wanted Spider-Man to be different from Superman, but he had him work at a newspaper that had the word "daily" in it, and <laughs> date somebody that worked at the newspaper, and have a red and blue scheme. Oh, and wear glasses. Guards, take Batony away. I- I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that <laughs> Spider-Man and Superman are the same person, or that they're like super similar, but. There's a lot of similarities in these early issues.
1: It's kind of one (laughs) of those things that could have been avoided. It's like Battlestar Galactica, the two versions of Battlestar Galactica. At the onset initial concept, there are a lot of similar things you can say about them, and then they take those similarities and go completely different directions with them.
0: So he goes on TV.
1: Okay, so part two starts out with, now anybody with the intelligence of a seven-year-old knows that blah, blah, blah. And I read this to Lily when she was six, and she immediately pointed out that she agreed with the person, what the one's just saying, so therefore she must have the intelligence of a seven-year-old, even though she's only six. So
2: Can't argue with those, that
0: logic. Which is funny I like, I like how when he's on TV. He does,
2: he does like the same thing over and over and over again, which is basically swing on the wall, crawl on the wall, and shoot out candles, and every single time the audience is like, looks like they saw someone get shot.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, back then it was like, well... I Love Lucy is a rerun, although I think I Love Lucy was done at this point, so they were all reruns.
1: Well, let's think about in the box here. Like At this point, these people might remember or have learned about in school the heroes from World War II in the 50s. But really, right now, they have the Fantastic Four and probably rumors of a monster out in the southwest somewhere. But this is this is a superhero they can actually put on television and watch him do his amazing things over and over again. And uh, things that no one can really do. So I can kind of see it. So he finishes his first show. And there's a scene with the burglar whose real name, I think, is Big Teeth Jones. Just the way he looks whenever he's in the elevator. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, his name's uh
1: they call him
0: Dennis Carradine in Spider-Man 3, and they got that because in the Clone Saga, he, you find out he has a daughter whose name is Jessica Carradine. So people assume that because her last name is Carradine, that must be the name of um the father, which isn't necessarily the case. you know, cause Yeah, the only thing
1: I could them. get is that he hadn't been named, but his last name might be Carradine. Other than yeah. that, he's the burglar forever and ever, amen.
0: Even when they bring him back um, in Marv Wolfman's run... They never refer to him by name and like there's one thing there's a scene where Peter finds out that the burglar escaped from jail and like he goes into a room to find out a name and then you see him leave the room and he's like so it's him the burglar who killed <laughs> Uncle <Ben." laughs> and then like there's even that if you said that you stopped reading around uh, Spider-Man uh, Maximum Carnage and that the backup for the first Maximum Carnage story is Peter's in like an alternate reality I think the spider didn't bite him or something and then, like, he realizes that there's a burglar on the loose, and he's thinking, Burglar? The burglar! Oh, no! <laughs> Uncle Ben!
1: His first name is The.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. The burglar!
2: Now, say, I, think it's, I think it's interesting to, to note that, uh, we're kind of super around here, but, like, the, the, the guy who, who's chasing after the burglar is, a, is the same guy who tells Peter that, who's on the scene and tells Peter that Uncle Ben was shot. I, thought, I don't you think
0: know, it's that, the same guy. That's kind of convenient, but I thought that worked. Dicko draws everybody the same.
1: Yeah, the other the the police captain we see later has a mustache and has an actual police uniform. This guy has a kind of useless um, security guard, and his name is Baxter Bigelow. You Why? Can't be
0: serious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, his name is Baxter Bigelow.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Shit, the heck! I want a source. Okay, not even st- well, you're well, editing st- Wikipedia right now, and then you're his name look- is
1: unrevealed here. He's next in Amazing Spider-Man number 200. He's named in...
0: A, that sounds like a criminal.
1: The Daily Bugle Civil War newspaper special in 2006.
0: Holy heck, I did not know that. Oh I don't even think J.R. knew that in all of his infinite wisdom. Baxter, Baxter fracking Yeah, I'll have to say that. I love how, by the way, because it's showing that more Spider-Man... This time, instead of just merely shooting a candle, he's shooting the candle that's being held by a woman. Whoa. It's uh, funny because lots of versions of the adaptation of the origin, they'll have the burglar the night that he gets away, go to the Parker house and shoot Uncle Ben then. That's what they did in the movie and in the 90s show and in a few of the other versions. Like it'll be Peter coming home that night and finding – but this time, you know, days pass, and it's Iris a natural
1: way pieces. to make the story flow in a different medium. But in a written medium, you could have days or weeks or years go by between the two, and in this case, it's days.
0: Marv Wolfman was like really bothered by the fact that a burglar could go from robbing the TV studio to going all the way the Forest Hills like days later, and. In a house. Well, so My dad actually this. had the same problem. He only said that that never made sense to him.
1: Wait, well, what is it that's not making sense? Why could he not... Well,
0: maybe it was John Byrne that said that, because both of them retconned it. Marv Wolfman and John Byrne both retconned. Like, I don't know, know thought it was a big deal. I mean, a crook's
2: a crook. I mean, I
0: don't I don't yeah. see why you can't go
2: from a... Well, a they girl. never
0: say where the TV studio is, either. Right. They, you they, imagine they,
1: it's somewhere in the city, but you don't know that. Well,
0: Peter lives in Queens, Forest Hills, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, it's it's not even named where Peter lives here. I mean... Right. I don't even think... Do they even say New York in this, come to think of it? I don't think they do. I mean, they say Midtown High, I believe. Yeah, Midtown High is only professional wallflower.
1: But seriously, Midtown to- High, I mean, that that is the name of a school in New York, but to me... As a kid, I never thought New York. I always thought Midtown was like a generic name.
2: It, it, there's so many different versions of this. Like JMS himself, I think, like I like said, like three different versions of the origin. From one where there's a panel where Peter's actually holding Uncle Ben's corpse to another one where Aunt May says May knows his identity and she says that they got in an argument and he walked away and she never saw him again. To other stuff. I mean, I, th- I think this version is the most solid because at the end of the day, this this is what all happened. But there there are some other even in the comics, there are so many other versions, which is kind of funny to
1: think about. I just understand just, what, where does why is there a fault and why do people have a problem with him doing a burglary here and then d- days later doing another burglary in Forest Hills?
0: Because it was a sta- I guess years later, when it was established, like the proximity of these places. So if you haven't heard the recon in the Marvel Wolfman run, the burglars looking for buried treasure.
1: Right, I remember that. And
0: it's in Peter Parker's house. <laughs> which is awesome. Which is there's, absolutely awesome. <laughs> there's buried, and he fakes Aunt May's death and everything. like right. So he can get this buried treasure. Stupidest thing ever.
1: <laughs> and since Mysterio's in that story, you'd think Mysterio was the one faking the death.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he did the um, nursing home scan. I've right, so, actually not read that yet, but... <laughs> so John <laughs> Byrne later like, retconned it in Chapter 1, which everyone hated where like he's because John Byrne also thought that the buried treasure thing was stupid but he wanted to explain why the burglar was doing it in Forest Hills so we did this thing about how like Spider-Man thought that he thought that Spider-Man was his partner or something it's really stupid like he this guy's convinced that Spider-Man's his partner and they've had like almost no contact And, like, I guess he saw that, like, Uncle Ben, you know, bought a computer and he's like, ooh, these guys are rich. I better come back here later.
1: Because instead of –
0: they buy the microscope here and, like, John Byrne's like, huh, microscope. I'm going to make them buy him a computer because I'm John Byrne. I'm John Byrne.
1: Now, this is the microscope that he leaves on Uncle Ben's grave and then still has years later.
2: Shut up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, they later corrected so that. this too, is the, the, the morphing microscope, microscope here. Replica.
2: It's also no. true to know that, that Ditko is like his design of Spider-Man. The, the webbing on, on on his costume is inverted, like on the first page, on the first panel on page eight, and then again the head shot on page nine. The the, and the webbing on his mask is inverted to where it typically is. It's kind of hard to, to describe without showing. Oh
1: no, head. I know what you're saying. That the way the curvatures of the web go.
2: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times in these early issues, you'll see when they show Spider-Man from the back of the head. It doesn't. It doesn't match up to what it is on the front of the on the front of the face. It's kind of even Ramita does that, so it's kind of funny to notice
1: that. That's interesting. And, um, I, I so. see exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of weird. I wonder which way it's supposed to be. Are the curves supposed to go towards his eyes or towards the back of his head?
2: It's supposed to like kind of like like zoom in instead of like kind of blow out. Like because I I was, I, I do I draw Spiderman a lot, so kind of got to kind of memorize because at the top of page see, like, nine,
1: everything's or... blowing away from his head.
2: It's supposed to be like, yeah, like on page, um, let me see they get, whenever they get it right. Like on page eight, when he's talking to the cop or the security guard, that's how it's supposed to be.
1: Okay. Where, where everything's kind of going into the center of his face.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, then, Rorschach. On, it, it morphs. Yeah, it's a Rorschach mask. Yeah, it morphs when he's talking. So and he blows his secret identity, King. as we find out 20 years later. He blew his secret when he identity? Goes, when when uh, he goes out the window to go get Uncle Ben's killer. <laughs> Is that where Mary Jane sees <laughs> it? it or? That that's where Mary Jane sees it. That's what we oh, later find awesome. out. If you, in the parallel lives one shot from the '80s, and in Untold Tales of Spider-Man issue 16, they show you the same scene. So, way to there go, Peter! Nine pages into your first story. For some reason I
1: had the impression that the whole Mary Jane finding out that he was Peter Parker, that Spider-Man was Peter Parker so early was a chapter one thing. I haven't read chapter one. I haven't read it. John Byrne
0: put it later in chapter one. John Byrne, I I guess, had a problem with Mary Jane knowing from Amazing Fantasy 15. So John Byrne instead had her know from Amazing Fantasy issue like four or five. (laughs) Like he had her like see it like when he went after Doctor Doom or something.
2: I was gonna say, like real quick, there was a guy who commented on one of my reviews. I think it was like the last episode of Spider-Man, how he really, really hated the the retcon with Mary Jane knowing from the very beginning. And I don't understand why <laughs> it's not that big of a deal.
1: Well, we do have a, a sort of oblique reference, possible first mention of the Watsons when he says your aunt is next door. The neighbors are looking after her. Yeah. And, and um, it that,
0: turns out that they're the neighbors. You know, yeah. uh, that that's determined later because uh, we actually see in Parallel Lives Aunt Meg inside the Watson house and uh, Anna Watson and... I think Madeline and Gail Watson, which was Mary Jane's uh, mother and aunt, respectively, who were visiting from out of town, comforting her. Gotcha.
2: Mary Jane was 14 and he was 15, so
0: yeah so
1: he swings away in a hateful vengeance that's Um, his first time
0: web swinging by the way
1: yeah and i actually like it because they actually show where it hits yeah they show the actual mechanics and then whenever he's whenever he's swinging away from that flagpole they show the web like behind him flapping in the air i think that establishing that here and how it works is good because they hardly ever do it again after this
2: I, i think this is my favorite scene the confrontation because it's done so dramatically in the majority of the media representations um like the 60's cartoon, like the Ralph Baschke reboot of the 60's cartoon. There's a lot of like really nice noir kind of paintings and music when he confronts them. And I thought it was done really, like I think probably the best in thing in the 2002 movie was like where the music stops and he, he realizes who the burglar is. I remember in the, in the audience when we were watching for the first time, my, my mom actually gasped when, when it showed that it was the same guy from the, from the TV studio. And Dicko does a really good job of blacking out his face until Spider-Man knocks him over and his hat falls off. So I thought it was, this whole thing was really done well.
1: Yeah, it is a really, really good scene. The art is really dark and moody, and you really get a sense that this this warehouse is, you know, two spits from falling over on itself.
0: Yeah, and they never fix it, because, like, people come back to it later, even in the Clone <laughs> Saga, and it's like... Why hasn't this thing fallen over yet? Like, Galactus has attacked the city, like, 90 times. <laughs> 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 this thing looks like it can't even support the burglar. And Surely, Spider-Man.
1: if Hulk were going to smash, he would smash this, right?
0: Hulk smash, burglar hideout! <laughs> I mean, you got Namor, like, invading, you know, every other week and, you know, like, now, Josh, you, you and...
2: mentioned how um, a lot of the essentials and reprints kind of fix things. I've seen a lot of times where Spider-Man realizes who the burglar is, his eyes gonna bug out. Yeah. Thankfully, th- 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 my, my version doesn't have that because I hate it whenever I see that.
1: That's oh, such, yeah, it totally that's... has pupils in the original version when he's looking at the uh, burglar's face.
2: I really don't like that.
1: In the 90s show, he had,
0: like, Billy Ray Cyrus hair. Yeah,
2: in the I... 90s show, his eyes bug out, too. Like, like his, like, the, the mask eyes on his, on his mask. Like, a, really really, a really, 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 like,
0: I totally
1: don't like moving Spider Man lenses. I understand what they're trying to do with emoting the face because you can't see his face. But I really don't like it. I wish this, the lenses would stay static. Don't make him squinty eyed on his mask.
2: I, I understand that.
1: Um, and so he sees the burglar's face and his teeth, and he recognizes him.
0: The burglar
2: is quite ugly. <laughs> yeah, it looks
0: like a jackass. You like, know, literally. you got to think he only saw that burglar for a split second, and it was days ago. I mean, the guy yeah. was my name, So. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 gonna poke a hole through this class.
2: <laughs> gosh darn it! But he has like freckles and a. Um, you know, a distinctive nose and the buck teeth and bushy eyebrows.
1: <laughs> Those eyebrows.
2: Also, Peter. Peter's mask isn't a mask. It's like it's like a like a full over hoodie. Which they've done that trick with Batman a lot, where it's either like something you just pull over your face or an actual mask. So there's a lot of incontinuity with that kind of thing. But I think
0: I think it looks good for this panel.
1: You're right. It is. It is like a cowl. You can yeah. explain
0: it away that this is an early version of the costume and that like you made modifications to it. In right. The coming in the coming weeks.
2: And then, like, the final panel, which you have, like, you know, the quote that was never said.
1: The original phrasing of the, uh, with great power there must also come da, da, da. great responsibility. Which was not
0: said by Uncle Ben. That was later affixed to him much later.
1: Yes. For those um, of you who only know the movie.
0: I, I, I believe it's Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Um, I double-checked that because I, I I know I asked that on the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast when I did Spider-Man Jeopardy. Right. and. I double-checked it then, because I cause I remember because I remember this fact, and I just don't have all those notes and everything in front of me, but I believe it was Spider-Man vs. Wolverine. That was the first time it was kind of affixed to Uncle Ben, and then the 90s series and the movie kind of pounded into everyone's head that Uncle Ben said it to him.
1: And then the last line in this story is a total lie. It says, be sure to see the next issue of Amazing Fantasy for the further amazing exploits of America's most different new teenage idol, Spider-Man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't have that on my version. <laughs>
1: And there the was no more have, amazing fantasy.
2: <laughs> the next page I have is, is the secret of Spider-Man's mask, which I knew, which I figured wasn't in
1: the original version because the art is actually much better. It's in the first annual, I believe, the first
0: Amazing Spider-Man annual. Yeah, they I split thing. a lot of those features up from that first annual and put them throughout the essentials. If and I had I had them in the.
1: Uh, I didn't have the the Sinister Six story from the annual, but I did have those featurettes in the back of my three paperbacks when I was a kid. I was kind of peeved that A I didn't have the Sinister Six story and they referenced it, and B I didn't have the Strange Tales Annual number two story and they referenced that too in the story and I didn't have them, so I was kind of peeved.
0: Any closing <laughs> thoughts on Amazing Fantasy fifteen? Like everyone's the story that everyone knows front and back.
1: So I I, I actually I do have um, some technical stuff, but anyone have any uh, thoughts on the actual story?
2: Just real quick, I think that um I mentioned I mentioned that a couple weeks ago on a, on, a, on a, one of our friend Walter's podcasts that I think. A, a, a story down the line of the Master of Planner story is like one of the best comic book stories of all time. But I think this is still like in the top three because if you look at it as a one shot, it's really, 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 really good.
1: It is. It really stands up as, as a one shot story.
2: Like, like, like just, just that Twilight Zone kind of take on it. It's, it makes it such a compelling story, which, and the final line with great power comes great responsibility just resonates with you. So this is a really awesome story. No matter when it was told or how if it was. the
1: story ended there with him basically fracking up, and his uncle dying because of it, and that line—that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: It's an Aesop's fable because what a lot of people lose when they do the recap of the story and when they adapt it into other media, it—he was basically a conceited jerk. You know, he was. I'm gonna look out for number one. It's—he was a conceited jerk. He was a you know a Hollywood hotshot or whatever.
2: Well, it was he was made sympathetic at, at the beginning, but once he had a chance to do to some real good. You know, he did what he wanted to do. He, he did things to help himself. He did say he cared about his aunt and uncle, but he still, you know, he didn't care about helping anybody else. And he pays for that.
0: And even in when Gary Conway did Parallel Lives, he, like, showed what was going on with Peter at the time. And he has Peter having a talk with Uncle Ben and Uncle Ben's talk. I don't think that Gary Conway really, like, you know, I think Gary Conway kind of missed the point, which is a shame because I love Gary Conway. Like that Peter was, you know, kind of on a conceited high then, and he kind of lost that when he was telling Peter through that period. They recently did a miniseries a year or two ago. I think it was called Spider-Man with Great Power Responsibility or something like what that. What did y'all think
1: of that miniseries? Because I read it as it came out.
0: It was interesting. I don't think the continuity. I, yeah, I,
1: I think, think it's an interesting take, but I don't. I wouldn't. I would not want it
0: yeah. to be in continuity. It takes place between for the listeners who don't know. It takes place between the panels of Amazing Fantasy fifteen, and it's basically like the adventures of Spider Man as a media star. Right. And like at the end, like you think that like you're seeing the scene where Uncle Ben dies, but it's just the police are there because Peter's missing
1: because right.
0: Peter's been so you know wrapped up in what he's doing, he forgot about Aunt May.
1: And he gets wrapped up with the woman in that story. Does he actually get laid in that story?
0: No, I don't. I don't think that they implied that he got laid, and okay. it's really sad that Spider-Man fans have debated this, myself included. But there's actually different takes on when Spider-Man lost his virginity,
1: and we're going to talk about that when we get to when we get more in depth. My in the God,
0: <laughs> the very first episode we have to mention that.
1: <laughs> we're at least we're, we're going to pull it out whenever he's like
0: 15 in the stories that we're discussing now, and we're yeah. talking yeah. about the boy's virginity. He's it's, a child. It's it's a Six. few episodes. <laughs>
1: So some first appearance – I went ahead and made a first appearance list because this issue has a more extensive one than anything else because we have, of course, Peter Parker and Spider-Man, Ben Parker, May Parker, Flash Thompson, Liz Allen, Sally Avril, the science teacher that we'll later know as Mr. Warren, the burglar who is just the burglar, Crusher Hogan, the agent Maxie Schiffman, Seymour O'Reilly is one of the classmates – Baxter Bigelow is the security guard who yells him in the hallway. Officer O'Brien is the guy who meets him at his house with the mustache when Ben dies. I don't know if he ever shows up again besides in flashbacks, but he does have a name. Um, um, I
0: think in Spider-Man 200, maybe he's the guy that deals with Peter. When
1: and, and maybe in the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man like 60, that around there, there's a revisit to the story. And and, of
2: course, to tie it back to about your other podcast, John, you know, in Ultimate version, it was Captain Stacy who was uh, the, the cop at the scene.
1: Was it really? I don't remember well, that. I know, I
2: know when he the, when, at least when knocked at the warehouse, it was Captain Stacy.
1: Okay, uh, you may be totally right. I just forgot that because um, we just talked about, and rec- we just recorded the episode recently where he dies. So, and spoiler,
0: my, spoiler. We haven't um, even met Gwen yet, and you're already killing off her dad.
1: I know, right? <laughs> but that's in the Ultimate Universe. He doesn't necessarily have to die in this universe.
0: Right.
1: My source I was looking Mark at suggested today, that Mark the the retarded child with his unobservant mother they actually come back at some point are y'all aware of that at all
0: what? <laughs> not, not every single character has to come back I, I, I read
1: let me see what it said where is the freaking i
0: like i like my idea for it much better
1: marvel comics <laughs> presents number 120 oh my god from 1993 marvel. i must track down this story <laughs> you
2: and your characters you can't let anything go can you
1: and, of course, the radioactive spider, who dies, but, you know, he counts. Do you Spider-Man.
0: know what happens to the spider after he dies?
1: After he dies or before he dies?
0: After he dies. What? This guy named Carl King. Oh, okay. uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Donovan remembers. <laughs> he was a classmate of Peter Parker's who followed him to the science exhibit. So, actually, and he saw this happen. So, actually, two people discover Spider-Man's identity in this story, Mary Jane and Carl King. So, yeah, he, he kind of sucks at this. He eats the dead spider and he becomes uh this a bunch of little spy it's and he can like jump from body the bo- it's it's a really bad story wow it's- i
1: so don't want to read that
0: <laughs> seymour-, seymour o'reilly was just the name that they gave to like the unnamed classmate and he uh and they they killed him off in Marvel Nights during Peter's 10-year high school reunion, but he did get to oh, yeah. <laughs> find out that Peter was Spider-Man like two seconds before he died.
1: If you're going to die like, in a Spider-Man comic, you get to find out that he's Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, he's like, wait, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and then like the new Venom, which was uh, uh it wasn't Matt Gargan, it wasn't Eddie Brock, it, it was, was, it was Brock the one falls. in between. It the, was like a- Angelino costume. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he like <laughs> he kills him right away. <laughs> I think I read uh, that story because I read some of that Marvel Night stuff. Yeah, Liz isn't named in this story, but I think that if you see how Liz is drawn later, and you see the girl in this book, you can. I think it's safe to say that that's that that's Liz.
1: Yeah, most of the names that I gave are, are given later. Like Flash has a first name. I don't think he has. You no, know, he gets a he gets a last name. He does not get Eugene in this book.
0: And, yeah, no, uh, Eugene comes much later.
1: Yeah. And it does. May Riley Parker. We don't find out that she's Riley until much much later either. Cool. So most of the names that I just mentioned are only faces or partial names in this story.
0: Yeah, no. In fact, Seymour O'Reilly wasn't even named until uh, until Marvel Knights. They just called him Seymour in some early issues. And uh,
1: Yeah, okay, because I, I do see here his name was revealed in Marvel Knights Spider-Man number 8, 2005. Yeah. I remember
0: when that happened. Their choice was for Seymour Butts, they, they said <laughs> in
1: the So, just for those uh, listening who've never actually... Uh, seen the actual Amazing Fantasy or a scan of it. There were some Lee Ditko as we talked about them earlier. They're actually pretty decent. The Bell Ringer is a uh, Believe in an Angels kind of story where a man stays behind to toll a disaster warning bell to evacuate an island and he's then saved from disaster by heavenly lights. There's a story called Man in the Mummy Case There's a, which has a crook running from the cops and hiding in a museum. A mummy comes and tells him to hide in the mummy case and he'll be safe. So the guy hides in the mummy case, but then he's transported to be Mr. Slave Labor Man in ancient Egypt. And then there's a uh, one you were talking about earlier, Josh, Martians Among Us, that has a Martian ship crash land. There's a manhunt and the uh, cute little suburban couple who's talking like they're hiding from the Martians. But then they go out and she gets caught and he's calling his friend. He's like, no, if they caught her, then they'll find out that we're Martians and come after us.
0: A bunch of arms, just like Peter Parker will in yeah. Spoiler Alert Issue 100.
1: But they're cute. They're not terrible.
2: I think, you know, I've not read these because I don't have them, but uh, I think that, that this is, I think, we, we can start to say when, because, you know, this was mar- done Marvel style. Which were the scripts and which were the artists during the plot? Was this, these sound like something that Dicko just came up with and Stan Lee came up with the dialogue. Not not AF-15, but these backup stories.
1: Yeah, I don't know when that, quote, Marvel style actually started being used. I know they used it with Fantastic Four and all these superhero stories. I don't know when they when they started using it on their non-superhero stuff if they were already doing it by this point or what
0: it's funny because towards the end of the lee dicko run it's uh completely obvious yeah there was like yeah there, there was, was a lot year, of contradictions like last
2: from... year where dicko was on he was they were not
0: speaking
1: yeah there yeah. was a couple years that he was just mailing in his work and they were never talking
0: and stan didn't know like what was supposed to be going on so he would just like fill in the dialogue as he saw fits
2: yeah some of it's very obvious we'll get to it Oh,
0: God. Lee Deco. Why why are you making all your characters so angry? There is a letter from the
1: editor notifying readers that rather than continue five stories every month, the first two or more stories are going to be replaced by Spider-Man. There are a couple other minor notes made in the letter, but they're boring. And it turns out that when they sent this copy off to the printers, the next day Marty Goodman said, cancel Amazing Fantasy. And Stanley was like, damn, I just lied to the kids in that letter. Oh, well. And a few months later, Spider-Man got his own book.
0: Because Stan Lee is really bothered by lying. Because Stan Lee never, ever, ever lied again.
1: No, he only exaggerated like sixty times.
0: Well, yeah, he also has a
2: look. He luckily has a bad memory, so he can always count on.
0: And he talks about now that uh, he put Spider-Man in Amazing Fantasy fifteen because he knew it was going to get canceled, and it's like, well. Hold on, no, then why about that letter and what about that other story that you what's Stan, you're confusing me.
1: He no said one, that as little as a few months later because that's actually in the reply to one of the letters in issue three or four.
0: Yeah, his his own life has continuity errors.
2: I mean. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like the
0: I know. He probably like I'm get does he have kids?
2: He has one daughter He had um, I know the first child they had he died young. Young was miscarriage, but he has one living daughter.
0: You see, I never read his autobiography, but, like, yeah, you got to think, like, you know, if he ever, like, says things to, like, his kids and, like, if they ever got to a point, it's like, why is Daddy a liar? <laughs> like, what? Like, what do you what mean I that? was... <laughs> What's going on? Um, like, you know, every kid gets that moment where they realize that their parents are not always right, but if you're Stan Lee's kid, it's, like, even worse because... <laughs> when is the actual time a, the truth? He's such a liar about everything
1: a couple of last notes putting a superhero strip in the pages of an anthology book was nothing new to marvel they had done it lots during the world war ii era in the the, uh, 50s but this was the first time they did it in the silver age because the fantastic four and the incredible hulk had both been given their own self-titled books but very soon after there of course would be other horror sci-fi anthology books that would turn their lead strips over to thor ant-man iron man and the human torch and when amazing fantasy was cancelled Two-Gun Kid was revived and put in its place in the publishing schedule, because at this time Marvel's agreement with their printer was for a set number of books to be published over a two-month period, so putting superheroes in anthology books allowed them to keep their book count the same but introduce new stories. And uh, creating a book devoted to a superhero required the cancellation of some other title.
0: It's funny, too, because you said that uh, canceling some titles made room for others. The Incredible Hulk, when it was canceled after six issues, somebody said within Marvel, I don't remember who, that that actually made way for Amazing Spider-Man to have its own title.
1: It happened near the same time. I I was actually looking at this before I came on because I wanted to to be able to say that. Linda Carter, student nurse, got canceled to make way for Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man? Amazing Spider-Man 1 and Incredible Hulk 6 came out at the same time. That was Hulk's last issue, and then its slot was taken by Sergeant Fury.
0: But then Hulk was revived and, you know... Uh, Tales to Astonish. Which eventually turned into Hulk, which really messes up the numbering. If yeah,
1: because like- <laughs> Thor and Hulk have these really huge numbers, but their first 60 or 80-odd issues...
2: Thor is a pack of yeah. lies. I'll tell you right now. <laughs>
1: Thor didn't come into what eighty three of Journey into Mystery, so you say Thor six hundred. You mean except for the first eighty
0: two? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, yeah, well, because like, well, Tales to definitely. Astonish became Incredible the Incredible Hulk, so. Right. Well, I I think Steve Dicko was no Steve Ditko. I think got onto Hulk and when when they were doing Tales to Astonish, which is funny because like uh, Betty didn't, didn't Ross they go to was just, the, like, the girlfriend first, there, first... and they called her Betty Brant a few times in that book. Whoops.
1: Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> And, did then,
2: think
0: and that the first appearance of Hulk, or was that uh, Kirby? Kirby did Hulk's first. Yeah, appearance.
1: Kirby did Hulk's. I think the whole six issue run was Kirby. Okay.
0: When it when it became Tales to Astonish, that's when it was Dick Hope for a, a long time.
1: And so, but in the months between Amazing Fantasy 15 and Spider-Man number one, you had the introduction of Thor, and the return of Ant-Man because he had been used once in a one-off story, and they actually took the idea and turned it into a superhero story so now
2: there were it's like you know why can't i have great fame
0: like the fantasy four or ant-man
1: or ant-man Which yeah because everybody who, loves ant-man
0: who nobody would have known anything about at that point i don't think but
1: yeah ant-man had been around some for some time by the time we had amazing spider-man number one so
0: okay the ant-man
1: the ant-man he, he actually uh, he, he got brought back to tell us to astonish right after amazing fantasy 15 at the stands what we Kind of want to do is not that we've been already poking the fun at the story already, but uh, Josh, do you have like a favorite favorite line or favorite corniest line from this whole uh, story we had here?
0: You stick to science, son. We'll stick to the chicks.
1: <laughs> Donovan, uh, do you have a, a favorite part or favorite line?
2: There, I can't. I can't look at any corny lines. The, the bulk of those are on the issues to follow. But I really do like the last line. I'll say it again. And so a legend is born, and a new name is added to the roster of those who make the world of fantasy the most exciting realm of all.
0: That's yes. pretty awesome. Oh, Stan. You stick Stan. to writing corny mylog. we'll stick to the chicks. <laughs> as I, I, as well.
1: I seriously like the whole I'm not quite a supervillain part when he's talking to the security guard. and He's like, sorry, pal, that's your job. I'm through being pushed around by anyone. From now on, I just look out for number one. That means me. You see uh, the the
2: motivational picture with with that that panel saying, Spider-Man, dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, this uh, podcast is hosted at AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. Don't have an email set up yet, but I hope to have that done by the next episode or two. So we'll see how that goes. Bear with us. We're just getting started. And thank you for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Good night.
0: Replies, look out, here comes the Spider-Man Is he strong? Listen, bud He's got radioactive blood Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man In the chill of night At the scene of a crime Like a streak of light, He arrives just in time Spider-Man, Spider-Man Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Welcome fame. He's ignored. Action is his reward to him. Life is a great big pain, uh, Wherever there's a hang-up uh, you find the Spider-Man.
1: Thank you for listening to
2: Mr. Spider-Man Classics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, teenage. I mean, okay, okay. I'm on a lot of podcasts. I'm allowed to forget the name <laughs> once in a while, but dude, you. you no, that, to...
2: that was awesome. That
1: was
0: awesome,
2: John. <laughs> Come on, dude.
1: <laughs> okay, yes. Thank you for listening to Amazing Spider Man Podcast. Good night. Do, 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 do. I said it wrong.
0: Do, 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 do,
1: do, do. I totally said it wrong again. Spider Man. Really? Yeah. You've got to be able to do this, right? I've been doing this for a few months now. Thank you for listening to Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Good night.